Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The CoLab. We are a collective of professionals sharing our experiences working in fashion, beauty, wellness, and retail. We pair up two people. They get to interview each other. So you'll hear one story this week and one story next week. We hope you'll listen to these stories, love them, share them, and then join us at jointhecolab.com and share your story. Hi, everybody. I'm Marissa Runyon, and today I'm talking with April Uchitel. She and I are both based in Los Angeles, and April is currently co-founder of The Board and also on the founding team of I Am A Voter. She's also the former CEO of Violet Gray. Hi, April. Hi. Let's start at the very beginning. So tell us about you, about where you grew up and where you went to school. I grew up in Colorado. I was born in Boulder. And I moved to a suburb called Longmont. So I went to Longmont High School, a small suburb of like you, since we've had a chat, I couldn't wait to get out of and, you know, started to really kind of work in fashion. I was around a Benetton. I was in, you know, stores that don't exist anymore and, you know, saved every penny and reinvested back in my wardrobe and really thought I wanted to, you know, knew I wanted to go into fashion. And so I actually went to school a few places. One of those was Colorado. And then actually I was following a boyfriend, a best friend, a sister to the West Coast who were all older than me. And so I, I left the U to finish at UCLA and in the interim ended up getting a fashion job and, and quite frankly, never finishing college. And so I was, I'm one of those, but landed in Los Angeles in the very early nineties and known to man. And I was kind of a, a wild change of pace from, you know, small town to, to Los Angeles and sprawling city, but also an entertainment capital of which no one gave a rat's, you know, what about fashion, <laughs> the industry at least. And then I eventually made it to New York. So I came to New York in the late nineties and I ended up staying there for about 19 years. And I spent nine of those years at Diamond Furstenberg, where I helped really build that brand. And then knew that I quite frankly, didn't want to be a 50 year old Garmento. I saw kind of the demise of, of that business and all the challenges there and kind of pivoted into digital and tech and then beauty and then back to Los Angeles can definitely go through the rest of the story. But it was about 25 years in fashion to know that I was kind of done doing fashion. And I think I really was able to, in my own opinion, see the boom falling and just knew that I had I had to make some moves. And, and so I did. Wow. That's an amazing career already. And that's not even like phase two of your career. So going back really quick, so we have more context for your path here. What was your first job in fashion? What were you actually involved in day to day, especially at DBF? In Colorado, I really thought I was going to be a buyer. I thought that was my path. I'll go train at Bloomingdale's, you know, I'll get on, on the buying path. And then I never realized someone actually sold to the buyers. And so once I realized the wholesale side and I started in the California Mart, which Again, very denim heavy, not a big fashion capital, Los Angeles. And I started at a company called Karen Kane because I had a college friend who already worked there. And she brought me in as the receptionist. Within three months, I was on the sales floor. And, you know, within two months after that, I was, you know, on a plane, you know, for three months at a time and um, was just a crazy experience. And, you know, it was a really great training ground, you know, learning the the real foundational aspect of the business from, you know, open to buy and margins and, and whatnot, but it was not a product that I was a fan of. So I remember I would bring my own clothes and I would change in the bathroom after I left the office. So no one would see me in the actual clothes I was selling. 
And so I was really eager to work for a brand that I was really excited that felt more like me in terms of the product side. And so when I got to New York, BCBG actually moved me from LA to New York. And then I went from BCBG to Prada for literally three weeks back to BCBG. And then I did one of those things where I was I remember laying in bed thinking like, where do I want to work? And I just literally said, I really want to work at either Diana Furstenberg or Marc Jacobs. And I kid you not, like two days later, I got an email from the president of Diana Furstenberg who said, you know, we'd like to talk to you about an opportunity. And I was like, what? Wow, you manifested that. Totally manifested that. And, and I ended up being there for about nine years and really going from a very small business where we were in like six doors to, you know, really a $350 million business over the course of that, that timeline. And wild ride and very different times, you know, in the business and had Germany and a lot of places that, you know, again, was a great experience for me, but also fighting with department stores and fighting with, um, you know, all the other brands to get floor space and, and whatnot. And, and truly the seasonality and, and the markdown cycle and the calendar and all the challenges everyone faced. I just realized this is this is no longer that interesting. And there's this digital piece that is the future and I need to get into that world. And so I ended up leaving and consulting and got on some advisory boards. And um, then I ended up, one of my consulting clients was a startup called Spring. And I was brought in by Eric Katz, who was one of the co-founders. And really, it was my idea of like creating a mobile mall, for lack of better analogy, where all brands could go direct on mobile. This is like really early app ecosystem days and driving everyone to to one place and everyone benefits from the traffic and and owns the content, owns the customer, all the challenges you have when you're working with third parties. And so I went from having and running big teams and having an office and beautiful building in the meatpacking district to running all over Manhattan. And I was 20 years older than my employer and no assistant, no nothing. And I was drinking through a fire hose of learning an entirely new industry and language in the tech space. And it was wild. And I remember it was just like this interesting moment of a first real big pivot. It was not easy. You know, it was swallowing your ego and, you know, kind of going down the jungle gym and around and up the other side, but really changed the course of of my career because I ended up working with over 2000 brands. You've just said so many things that I want to ask you about. Number one, that's another place we cross paths because I remember when spring launched and I remember coming to a launch event. So you must have been there. I was there on behalf of Rachel Zoe probably at the time. Oh, yeah. I actually spoke at your space in LA. I did a panel that Rachel and I chatted with Claire Vivier, um, the Buck Mason boys. Yeah. I love what you're saying about a pivot because I have this issue myself as I continue to grow in my career, which I'm sure a lot of listeners do, which is we're all kind of trained to think linearly, right? So you start here and then you move here and then you move up to this level. And then once you've reached this level, you've made it. <laughs> you've made it. Right. And there's no, there's no going backwards, right? You've made it to this level. Why would you go backwards? But I think when you're working in a space like fashion, like media, beauty, these things that change all the time, you can't think that way. So you had such a foresight to say, you know, the next big thing is apps is, is digital. This is the way people are going to be shopping and commend that because like you said, it must take so much. It does. It takes so much courage to, to kind of do a move that feels backward. But in reality, it's a catapult. It is. And, you know, and truly, as much as it didn't play out like I had hoped in terms of like equity and exit and all the stuff I thought it was going to be, it just changed the course of my career. And it built such an insane network for me because I would literally like sit with every stakeholder of Estee Lauder around a table and all the CEOs of Caring. And I would run from Alexander Wang up to 
um, you know, Altazura down to small emerging brands. Like I remember like meeting the Menzer Gabrielle girls in a closet, getting them on the platform. And then we really went after D2C brands. So it was Warby, Harry's, Everlane. Um, we launched with um, opening ceremony, you know, and then brought in outdoor voices. And a lot of these brands that at the time were like so, so small, um, Brother Valleys. And so what I loved was that making, building a platform that was going to expose these emerging brands in the context of the guys that are the, you know, the pay to play in the department store. And the value add was so great. And that's what really propelled me. It was like really thinking we were doing some groundbreaking work and, and we really did. I think like anything you, we raised a lot of money. Unfortunately, we did not have the, the exit we wanted. And I eventually also realized the integrity of what and how we were building was changing as, you know, with each raise and, you know, got to that point where it was time for, for me to go on because I was basing so much of this in my relationships. And then once, you know, you start doing things that aren't great for those relationships, it was a time to go. And I started to work with beauty brands because we, you know, we're fashion, beauty, lifestyle, home, tech, everything. And um, that to me was how I first realized like, okay, this is really much more interesting for me than fashion as I got to know the players there and and really realized like that would be the next kind of category for me. And I, I got to Los Angeles. My husband was just done with, with Manhattan and we moved back here and I kind of accidentally became the CEO of Violet Gray. That was my next question. I want to hear about your path to becoming a CEO because, you know, it's something I think about and, you know, anybody I think who works in business with aspirations and goals for themselves, it's like, well, what am I building towards? What am I working towards? Am I going to be a CEO one day? So I'm so interested. It was never on my vision board. I was not like, I really want to be a CEO. The way it kind of came to be was I had known Cassandra, the founder, funny enough, with Roger from Rachel Zoe. Roger and Cassandra spoke on a panel that I hosted in um, downtown LA. And we would bring in all of our you know, LA brands to, again, create community around what we were building. And so we had stayed in touch. And then when I was moving back to Los Angeles, we got a play with Amazon. And so for me, the interest was more like, okay, I just built a marketplace from scratch that we called ourselves the anti-Amazon. And if I can bring luxury beauty to Amazon without working for Amazon was really interesting. And so I initially assumed, you know, I'll come in as a consultant and just kind of take on the Amazon marketplace play and really quickly realized that there had been a lot of turnover and a real shortage of, of senior leadership and Cassandra herself was was going through some personal things and she literally called me and she's like, I just, I need you to be the CEO. And I just started laughing. I was like, oh, what? You know, it was like one of those and just said, you know, she was like, listen, I just, I want to hand the keys over and I really just want to focus on the art. And, and I remember I called my friend, Patrick Herring, who has since co-founded 11 Honoré and 13 Loon. And I told him, you know, I had this opportunity and I just, I'm like, do you think I could be the CEO? You know, and he literally was like, girl, it's just chief cheerleader, you know? And I was just like, oh, I could do that. I mean, truly like to simplify it so much where, you know, I didn't let myself get overwhelmed. And quite frankly, I'm like, okay, I, I can do anything for six months. And when I got in, I just didn't realize like how much work needed to be done. So it was, it was really another like drinking through a fire hose, starting all over again. You know, I never had finance report to me, ops report to me, you know, tech, HR, like this whole other world of owning and running the PL. But also the brand was kind of in crisis. And so it was like turning it around, resetting, cleaning up. And it was, it was really intense. And, but I learned so much in the process. And it was another 130 brands that I was, you know, added to my network. But along the way, I, all the way back through my spring experience, I've what I loved about touching that many different companies was you could immediately see pain points and then I could immediately connect people to help each other. And so 
it would literally be like someone talking about replatforming to demand where, and I just talked to someone who was really struggling with it. I'm like, okay, no, no, before you do that, call Stephen Allen, you know, or go and do this. And so I started to do constant like connecting and continued to mentor. I was a mentor in the incubator program for seven years and took on more advisory roles. And, and that's the part that I loved. And so when it became clear during the pandemic that my time at Valley Gray was done and Cassandra really wanted to kind of take the reins back. And I was really kind of done in that, that role, quite frankly, becomes a big HR role. If you talk to any CEO and obviously during a crisis, that's, that's the main role. And so I was not looking to do another CEO gig and I, I got brought into Onto Beauty, um, which is co-founded by Naomi Watts and Larissa Thompson to help them kind of clean up a mess. And I just thought like, oh, I don't know if I can do this again, but I'm like, okay, three months. And then that became seven months and I helped them kind of turn the business and found them as CEO, replaced myself and left. And so during all this time, quite frankly, all my peers started reaching out and saying like, dude, I'm out. I left LA. I moved upstate. I sold my company. I got laid off. And literally I'm freelancing. I'm freelancing. I'm freelancing. And, you know, this is the pandemic moment we've all talked about of, of the reckoning and became so clear to me that there's this insane group of talent out there that's freelancing and not one place to find them. And so when I was at Valley Gray and we're you know, thinking about the next phase, you rarely ever have the talent in-house to go to the next level. And you either get someone on the team frantically Googling <laughs> to figure it out, or you, you know, build, you know, start to hire for it, which is kind of scary to, when you're not quite sure which way you're going yet. And so you tend to look at, you know, kind of consultants or freelancers and then finding those people is always just through your network. And so this idea of a very vetted, you know, group of people that I have worked with, you know, I know how they work, their integrity, the way they operate, how they are doers, truly the type of people that I've always wanted to work with or hire. And we've kind of created at the board, this group of vetted and trusted C-level talent. And we can work with companies on a project basis, creating kind of mini dream teams to kind of come in in a rare, like almost SWAT team way, but with this real integrity attached to what we're doing. And, you know, I've been on the side when the experts come in and it screws up culture and nobody does what they say to do. And equally been on the consultant side where it's the pump and dump and it's, you know, the hustle for the next gig. And so by kind of having this community model of everybody kind of brings projects in that either isn't, if it's not right for you or don't have the bandwidth, you can send it to someone else on the board. And so it's been kind of this amazing moment that COVID afforded us where working remote became totally acceptable. <laughs> so geographic no longer dictated what type of consultant you could have and they could live anywhere. And then building, you know, kind of this network upon network where we're now a hundred people, which is bonkers. That's fantastic. I can only imagine figuring out during this wild time how to create something from scratch that is has been needed for so long. And I think the pandemic was the thing that kind of opened that door, like you said, for companies to think a little more outside of the box in terms of hiring. And I'm so glad that that's happened because I've definitely seen that happen um, in terms of my own career. Was there an aha moment? Was there a, something that happened that you said like this, I need to do this? It, it was funny because when I was at Spring, I actually wrote a business plan because of my experience of watching all these people hit walls next to the person who just hit that wall and I was just like, I need to build like Angie's List meets Tinder. It's a great elevator pitch right there. Here's my problem. Who do I go to help me? You know, there just was the CFDA isn't really built for that. And, you know, yet saving so much time and money, if you can just learn from the person next to you who just went through that. 
And so it was always kind of in my mind to, to think about how can I, you know, use my network and my skills to connect and to help people, you know, kind of move projects forward. And so when this kind of inbound of like everybody kind of piecing out was started to happen and, and some people, you know, were forced out. Some people were canceled. Some people, 27 years at a company let go like overnight. That's wild. Heartbreaking stories. And so there's a part of, you know, me too, who in this community model, if you're done with corporate life and you just don't see yourself going back yet, the challenge to sustain and maintain a long career as an independent it's a lot of times people are just like, screw it. I'll just get a full-time job. It's just easier. And then they go back into an environment that they're really not happy in. And so this idea of a, creating a destination and funny enough, it, it's almost like a marketplace of people, which I know is probably sounds weird, but this idea of like a curated group of skill sets. And then you have, you know, kind of my violet gray lens of this vetted, tested and approved stamp of approval that we actually did in the beauty industry on products. And so there's a big trust factor there. And it really, honestly, the way we think about people on the board is it starts from like who they are as a person first, the heart. And that's where I think there's an energy and a sentiment to this collaborative environment that, again, COVID allowed us to have. It became less about competition and more about collaboration. Yeah. What kinds of creatives are on the team at the board? So we leaned really heavily into the marketing kind of biz dev brand strategy side. We could do content, but we have ops people, there's a cannabis expert, there's a TikTok expert, there's a sustainability expert, a racial equality expert, people that we're just bringing on NFT and metaverse people where, you know, as we work with companies, marketing is marketing, whether it's, you know, getting more donors to your charity site or selling a lipstick. Ultimately, like the strategy side is, is one piece, but then where is this expertise? And, and the beauty, I think, of, of our model thinking about it from both sides, since I'd hired consultants and since I have been a consultant and as I'm seeing how quickly things move, you know, having those objective eyeballs on your business is so incredibly valuable because when you're in it, your head's down drinking the Kool-Aid and sometimes it's hard to see the future. So we can do real kind of like blue sky brainstorms with companies, companies that are launching a new vertical, pivoting in some way. And so we really, it's so customized to a little bit creative, a little bit ops, a little bit, you know, depending what the what the project is. And so um, we've been working with some major retailers and, and um, we just did a pop-up for Hello Sunshine. Um, my co-founder, Anita Gatto, came from Experiential. And now that that IRL world is starting to come back, we're, we're getting a lot of inbounds um, to do Experiential stuff as well. So it kind of runs the gamut. When you're out there by yourself, being part of something bigger is really important and powerful. And you can tap into these networks some parameters around it. So putting some structure around this community is was the first step. And it's built financially where everyone's incentivized to share. And so it's not an agency in the typical sense. But so far, you know, it's it's been really rewarding. And I'm meeting, you know, even more incredible people. You know, what I loved about spring was I could kind of pick up the phone and call anybody to talk to them about spring. And I feel like the board is, is very similar in that respect. And it all goes back, you know, I think the biggest advice is it's like the long game, you know, and these relationships you build over years and years. And, you know, there's multiple people on the board that I was pitching spring back in 2014 that are now calling me to say, hey, I'd like to participate in the board. That's so exciting. I would ask you what's next. But since this is such a new endeavor, you know, pandemic born endeavor, I can foresee your passion here will continue. And this will be your next move for a while is fostering the board. Yeah, which I'm super excited. I did want to end with one question that I think with 
the breadth of your career behind you will be such a valuable piece of advice for all the listeners. Just coming from me too, like tell me. You could give one piece of advice to someone who's in the midst of a major career pivot. What would that advice be? Oh, interesting. The way that I always looked at it, you know, kind of that that what's next is it's kind of you just like you did go deep into like what do I what do I love to do? Like where do I want to spend this, you know, the hours that I have outside of family doing and where are the areas that interest me that I have never touched that I want to get into? And, you know, I'm seeing people on the board who've been in fashion forever. They're like, I'm ready for beauty. I'll work for free to get into beauty. Um, I really need to get into tech. And and it's just that inner compass is so strong if you're able to listen to it. And sometimes, you know, it is about taking 10 steps backwards to go forward. But I, I think right now everyone is doing that. You know, there's not one person who hasn't kind of rethought and and has willingly made some changes that, you know, may not be on that linear trajectory of like the next title, the next pay raise, the next whatever. And, and that, that has seemed to have shifted where it's really about quality. And there's, there's just so many things changing that I think we're going to be doing this every few years. (laughs) I mean, rethinking about the what's next, where the linear we're done at 60, as soon as I get the, you know, C in front of my title, I'm there. That world is just over. And I think it's really exciting because it's the reinvention world. I love that advice. And I totally agree. I think um, the linear way of thinking is over and things change too quickly and we need to we need to keep up. But I, I love your perspective and I so appreciate you telling your story. Yes, no, for sure. I've learned so much from you in just this 24 minutes. You know, I hope you and I get to keep in touch more. A thousand percent. Because our paths have crossed a bunch and... I'm sure they'll continue to. Yep. No, no. I think so for sure. And it was really a pleasure to get to know you as well. Thank you, April. Enjoy the rest of your week. You too. Thanks for being here. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for being here for the Collab Career Stories podcast. Please follow us on social media at Join the Collab and sign up to become a member and share your story at jointhecollab.com.